Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Table Talks with Bird. Today we have Life with Clem. And today we are talking about a young educator's journey, teaching in the 21st century. First of all, let's just speak about you, Miss Clem. Which, where do you teach if you want to give that out? Or like, how did you get into teaching? What brought you to teach you teaching? Why did you want to teach? Well, I teach at a senior school in Nassau, Bahamas. What brought me to teaching? I think I always wanted to be a teacher from I was, I want to say, lower primary, like grade one, two. I have an older aunt who's a teacher. And every time I saw her, I was like, well, she's so smart. I want to be smart like her. So mm -hmm. I always looked up to her as, you know, I was like, teachers are geniuses and I want to be a genius one day. So that's where my, I guess, my curiosity about teaching kind of came from. And then um, my subject area is language arts. I didn't always know I wanted to do language arts until about, I want to say the 10th or 11th grade, I solidified that. I went to the University of the Bahamas, Go Mingos, for four years. I graduated in 2019, so I've been teaching now for almost five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a yeah. long time. It is. How's that journey been? How was it when you was first starting out and you was, I assume, like, fresh out of college, maybe 21, 23, 22? And you looking at your senior students or primary school students saying you're going to lead the class. Oh, boy. Yeah, I started at 21. Oh, wow. You were really young. Yeah. So going into a senior school at 21 where you're teaching students who are literally 19. I had a student who was 19 in the 12th grade. And they always try to guess your age. So they always say, you know, you look young. How old are you? Like they always trying to size you up a little bit to see what they could get away with. So I always lie about my age. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. So I always tell them I'm at least 10 years older than I actually am, just because I feel like that makes things a little bit easier. But going into when I first started, I think it was a little bit different for me because I started the year before COVID. Oh. So I only really had a few months in the classroom, per se, because when COVID hit in, I think it was February of 2020, we was home for the rest of the year. So a lot of my first year of teaching was at home. So I have a very different experience from a lot of first year teachers. And I think it kind of disadvantaged me a little bit because when we fully came back from COVID, that was like my first real year. And then I was exhausted. I felt mm -hmm. like I was learning new things all over again. I was like, I don't remember how to do this, how to deal with these children. They, it was worse than before I left them. I don't know what to oh, do. Boy. I was very overwhelmed, extremely overwhelmed, but I was excited. So that made up. And I know you said you only was in the classroom for a short period of time before you transitioned into COVID, like virtual learn learning. So how was it, com how would you compare virtual learning in that short time and even now in the classroom to that virtual learning process? Um, the virtual learning process is something I actually enjoy doing. And I'm assuming it's because I was a younger teacher. So fresh out of UB, they teach you how to use technology in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So I got to use a lot of my new skills. My students, they love coming to my class. It was like, Michelle, well, you know how to do so much fun things with the, you know, the, the Zoom and the this and the that. So I think my experience with virtual learning was good in that aspect. 
But when it came to the students and their engagement over virtual school, that's a totally different topic. They told me when we came back, they was like, Michelle, I used to turn on the Zoom and then I used to be sleeping in the next room. And I was like, oh, okay. So I think, yeah, virtual learning was definitely a learning experience for both myself and my students. But I think it was manageable. A lot of students actually did better over virtual. Half of the reason was because they was getting a lot of assistance from Google and their parents. Mm-hmm. But another reason is a lot of students actually thrived in that virtual space for some reason. But yeah. And this is a little off course of what we've been on, but how was your first parent-teacher conference if you do that? Um, You mean with like a, a parent one-on-one or just like a whole group of parents coming in to see me both and um, how differ okay so my first parent teacher conference i would say happened pretty recently i want to say last year it was very spur of the moment the, um one of my students dad just came on campus and he just was walking around to all of the teachers kind of trying to figure out how she was doing so in that moment i was very nervous because I had never been in a situation like that where I had to sit down and talk to a parent, especially spur of the moment like that. Like that, I couldn't prepare anything. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember how the student is act. I, I was like, oh, yeah, I know her. But I was so uh, my mind was all over the place. But the parent was nice, so that helped. I've never dealt. I noticed this, this wasn't a question, but I've never dealt with a like a very aggressive parent, so that's good. I think the difference between the one-on-one parent conference and like the group thing where it's like a podcast day and they come in and talk to you is it's more relaxed. It's less pressure. And with the one-on-one parent conference, it's like you're scared to say the wrong thing because Mm -hmm. if I say the wrong thing and then I make them upset, they're upset at their child now, like things can get chaotic. Things can go from one to 100 real quick. So I think that's the difference. It's less chaotic with the whole group conference and I know you said just to bounce back a little bit that many students enjoyed your class during virtual learning how did you keep students engaged what was your technique that you used um I think one thing that I did was I made my lessons very engaging so I wasn't the one talking for the full 45 minutes they knew that I was hosting the class, but they were really the ones running the class. I think that's one thing. And they actually enjoyed reading and and going from slide to slide for me. Another thing I did was I used um, a lot of quizzes or quizzes. I think it's how it's pronounced. A lot of those, a lot of themes that we can, where they can compete against each other in the class. They also really enjoyed that. I also included a lot of videos. I also included a lot of TikTok videos in my lessons, which they really appreciated because at that time, TikTok, everybody was on TikTok all day, every day. Mm-hmm. So coming to class and having this be something that I helped them to relate to language arts, it was like, oh, okay, I saw that video, but I didn't think of it in this way. So I think that's kind of a gist of why they enjoyed coming. And now that you mentioned TikTok, I believe that you're very active on TikTok. So how is balancing that with being a teacher do your students see you on TikTok sometimes? Ooh. Whoa. Yes. Um, balance. It's very, first of all, it's very difficult balancing a, a literal full-time job and TikTok. Um, my students see me on TikTok 
all of the time. They always want to come to me and discuss whatever video they would have seen last. They want to come and sit down and have a conversation with me about it. Okay. Um, which is why I try to keep my TikTok as professional as possible. I really don't share much of my like outside of work life there because my students are literally watching and they tell me like I'm watching your page like I'm gonna watch every video that you post okay. so I have to be very 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 mindful very careful of that but for now I'm trying to put myself on a schedule for when to post on TikTok because it's a lot going on it's a lot trying to teach all day and then record a video at work try to edit it get it out within a certain time so it's it's difficult but it's doable, I guess. And with using TikTok videos to engage your students and show how is language arts related, can you give an example? Um. Well, I think there was one time I had my students actually create a TikTok video. I didn't have them use a video from TikTok because there are so many videos on TikTok and I didn't want them to go down a rabbit hole and end up bringing me something inappropriate. Mm -hmm. So I had them create a video on TikTok. It was like a summary video of what we would have done throughout that entire week at school. So they had to summarize that topic from the week in a short TikTok video. And the goal was for the video to be short and entertaining. So I tried not to make it any different from what they were already doing because a lot of my students if not all of them are already on tiktok so i was like you know what y'all always making videos make a video about this topic make it short make it interesting and believe it or not a lot of them found that very difficult to do mm-hmm. it was for them to stand up on tiktok and dance or easy for them to stand up on tiktok and make a joke but when it was time to summarize the lesson they was like well sure we don't know what to say i don't like talking in front of a camera i don't know what to do so that part i did struggle with a little bit but i think they had fun for the most part creating the video on tiktok so that's kind of how i integrated that i found that that worked better than finding a video on tiktok and integrating it that way that makes sense and did any of them happen to go viral um, I don't think so. I think a lot of them actually probably um made their videos private <laughs> because I, you know, it was, I guess it wasn't their style. They didn't want to be seen doing that on TikTok. So I think a lot of them made their videos private. So no. <laughs> that makes sense. But to track back to teaching, how's it been? You have a youthful, young perspective going into a system that has, or a career that has mostly older people how was it integrating into that? Wow. Okay. Integrating into it, especially the department that I went into, all of the te- teachers there were much older than I was. And so I came with a lot of new, fresh perspectives. I just came out of school. I, I want I want to do what they taught me to do in UB. I want to, you know, I want to do all the fancy, nice stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I integrated pretty well. I think the department that I was in at the time was very receptive of me coming in and showing them, giving them new ideas and showing them new, easy ways to do things, as opposed to just how they were doing it for the past 25, 35, 40 years. Um, I think a struggle, though, is when you come across those colleagues, which I didn't, thankfully, who are not receptive of your new, fresh ideas, because what all they're thinking is, I've been doing this for the past 30 years. Mm-hmm. You've been doing this for 30 days. I think I may know a little bit more than you. 
And while that may be true, because they have the experience, I was eager to show what I could do. And I feel like as a young person going into any profession, you feel the need to prove yourself. So I, I, I felt the need to prove myself. You know, I belong here. Yes, I'm the quote unquote baby of the department. That's what they called me. But I I earned my degree just like everyone else here. So it was a good experience for me in my department with my department members. But I've definitely heard of other teachers who've had not so good experiences. And how did you feel when you finally considered yourself pro- proven? When you felt as though you made your mark and you showed that you actually want to be here? Oh, that felt so good. That felt so good. And that actually happened happened very recently. And it's really just because, like I said, we was off for a really long while from COVID. And then we came back. So I had that year to kind of get my footing a little bit. But now that I'm entering into year five, it's like, okay, this is a, a, a transitional year for me. I'm no longer the baby of the department. We have someone younger in the department now. Oh, so. Wow. Uh, yeah, so I am like, okay, I, I know my stuff, you know, and it felt really, really good to be able to teach somebody else now and have people coming to me, people who've been teaching, like I said, 40 plus years, coming to me for advice on how to do this and how to do that and how I think they should do this or that. It feels amazing. I can imagine mm-hmm. you probably feel like I actually know what I'm doing. I'm not just saying it. I actually know. Yes. And that's something else and not to stray off topic, but that's something else I think a lot of teachers struggle with as well is when they first get in the classroom, it's like, do I really know how to do this? Like, am I really doing this right? Because you're standing in the front of a group of 30 plus students. You can go up to 35 students with one teacher in the classroom and they're relying on you to know what you're talking about. They're literally staring at you as you're standing in front of the room and they think you have all of the answers. Now, we don't because, you know, we're human beings. We don't know everything, but they don't know that. They look at you like you're a walking dictionary. You have all the answers. Everything you say is right. So I definitely struggle with that as well when I first started because I was like, oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to tell them the wrong thing. I always had to double check. I always had to go over my lessons three, four, five times before I teach just to make sure I was doing this right. So that was definitely something else I had to struggle with. And now that you bring that up, I know a lot of people stray away from teaching because of the stress of being with so many students and also the pay is not that good and just feeling intimidated. How have you looked past that and stayed encouraged and stayed on the path to go into teaching? Well, I've definitely um, gotten, you know, the comments of, oh, teachers don't make no money. Oh, the job is so stressful. Why you want to do it? Other people kids all day. I've definitely gotten that from the moment I told people I wanted to be a teacher. But I think the one thing that caused me to stray away from that and still continue on the path is I f- know that my purpose for life is to teach, is to give guidance and to give knowledge and to coach and to train, no matter in which capacity that may be in. So, you know, I, I prayed to God for a long time and I, I have a lot of faith in God as to what my passion is. Even after I I entered the profession, I prayed. I said, Lord, is this my, is this what you have called me here to do? And every single time he says yes. So I know for a fact that this is the calling that God has on my life. So yes, the pay may not be great, but God would always provide. And there are lots of other opportunities that have been opened up to me just being on this profession alone. So I think that's definitely the one thing that kept me going in this direction. That's good. Amen. Yes. Yes. 
In the same note, I've also heard that UB is a rigorous program. So how did you go through the teaching program and how similar was it to integrate into teaching? I know you said UB teach a lot of help stuff that you could use hands-on, but what else have you learned from that experience just going to the program? Um, I would say that yes, UB was a pretty rigorous program. Also, I was a full-time student. Luckily, I wasn't working at the time, so that was good. I think that one thing that helped me through the program is having people that I could lean on and that can help me through the journey. So I definitely, I, I, I latched on to people in the same program as me and we just kind of worked it out together like that. Now, as far as integrating what I learned from UB into the classroom, that part was a little bit difficult. I'm not gonna lie. Because a lot of people think that when you go to UB, they teach you your subject area. When really and truly, they just teach you how to teach. Mm-hmm. So when I first started and I got my course online and they say, you have to teach adverbs and verbs and nouns and sentences and how to write a paragraph. I am like, oh my gosh, I have to learn this first and then I have to teach it Yeah, because I haven't done these things since high school. So now I have to teach myself and then I have to teach it. So I think that's the one thing. I wish that UB did a little bit more of. Yes, they have some language courses there, but a little bit more of teaching us the subject area as well as teaching us how to teach. Because now I got to spend extra time teaching it to myself first to teach the students. And that's just more added pressure because what if I said the wrong thing? Then the student's going home with the wrong information. Mm-hmm. So that part of integrating UB, what I learned at UB into my profession was quite difficult. So how did you get how did you get past that? Was it the self-teaching? It was definitely the self-teaching. It was also getting insight from my older colleagues who I worked with as well. They gave me lots of resources to work with, lots of PowerPoints to work with. But I think the one thing that I love about teaching, especially within a specialized area like English language, is that once you've teach something, once you've taught something, sorry, once, you can teach it a million times again. So Everybody is technically learning the same thing, just at different levels. So mm-hmm. once you taught verbs one time to grade 10, you can teach verbs again to grade 12, just at a different level. So one thing that I've learned and I like to encourage other young teachers to do is to keep a folder on your laptop with every single thing that you've ever taught, because you're going to have to go back to it. So I kind of created a bank of resources for myself that I've been able to go back to for years, two, three years now that has helped me keep me going. So now I know how to teach these things without having to teach myself again, because I know what to teach. Nice. And what drew you to language arts? Um, I don't know per se. I think, honestly, when I was deciding which subject area I wanted to teach, it was like, okay, what am I best in, <laughs> in high school? <laughs> and language arts happened to be that thing. But I, I definitely fell in love with language arts in high school I had a teacher that I really adored Miss Davis in um, grade 12 and she really helped me to love language arts and I was like this is cool you know I love the structure of language arts I love writing essays I love how detailed language arts can be and people don't even realize it so I was like you know what I'm gonna go with language arts and you know I'm in school now and I'd be thinking about my writing teacher when she has to read all these essays and I think about how stressful that can be so how do you get through those grading periods oh boy (laughs) 
I can imagine. Ooh, definitely stressful. And I just tell you, the class could go up to 30, 35 <laughs> students. So imagine, and that's only one class. But uh, I think the way, okay, the way that I do essay writing is I break it up into parts. So I won't just tell you one day, write me a five paragraph essay. I would say, okay, today let's work on the introduction. And then after you do the introduction, I could easily mark the introduction. That's only one paragraph. I could go through those pretty quickly. And then I say, okay, let's work on our first body paragraph. And then we work on our second body paragraph. So the way that I find it to be most manageable for me is when I break it up in that way. Now, if this is 12th grade and they're taking BGCSE and we don't do the breaking up thing, we do the five paragraphs in one sitting thing, mm -hmm. then that takes a little bit longer. Now, I don't take work home because that's something that I'm completely against taking work home on the weekends or after work. So what I would do is come to work a little bit early in the mornings. I don't usually stay back late, but I would come in a little bit early in the mornings, sit down, listen to my gospel music, and I can go through those pretty quickly. But even that, it takes me time, which is why I always ask my students to give me grace yeah. to have patience with me because I'm only one person teaching 125 students. So oh. yeah. <laughs> and how do you approach your grading? So I'm assuming you are good in language arts and you might have like, you may not know, but you have like a mental standard in your head. So how do you approach it when you're grading these essays? Uh, yeah, I probably do have a mental standard, but I think, okay, whenever I give my students an essay to write, I always give them it with specific instructions. So I tell them I'm looking for good sentence structure. I'm looking for good spelling. I'm looking for good structure. So I know exactly what I'm grading for when I'm grading. So I don't just just go off a whim or just take the essay and just mark from top to bottom. I always have a, a rubric for myself to follow before I even begin marking. So I think that's kind of how. So let's just say I give them an essay, but my focus isn't really on spelling because a lot of my students still struggle with spelling. I'll skip over the little words that they they misspell and I won't grade them down for that because that's not what I'm looking for in that particular essay. So I think having that sort of like the checklist or like a rubric I can follow each time definitely helps, makes it a little bit more manageable for me. And on the topic of students and marking, how, what is the most rewarding experience from teaching thus far? The most rewarding experience is when you've taught, you've taught until your throat got sore your students go, they sit an exam, whether it be a final exam or a national exam like BGCSE, and they come back to you with an A or B or C. That, I think, is the most rewarding, especially if that student came to you when they were struggling. So they came to you already kind of iffy, but like you brought them up and you know, okay, it's because of me, it's because of my teaching that they're able to say, I pass language arts BGCSE in the 11th grade with an A. And that's the experience that I just had this past summer. Cool. I had one of my students um, sit the BGCSE in 11th grade and he got an A, but I had two students who got an A. So I was, I definitely felt, you know, I was like, okay, well, if I hadn't proved myself by now, I definitely just proved myself. Yeah. So yeah, definitely rewarding. Yep. And I know you mentioned a while ago, when we first started this conversation, you said that your aunt inspired you. So how did she feel when you actually made it to where you told her you was going to go? She was, 
she was so excited. She is like one of my biggest cheerleaders ever because she's still in education. She's not in the classroom anymore, but she still works for the Ministry of Education. And every time I tell her, oh, I'm doing this, or I just got recommended to, to do that, she's always super duper excited. And I think when I tell the story of me wanting to be a teacher because of her, she always feels so flattered. But it's really the truth. She really is the person who made me want to be a teacher. I was around her a lot as a young child. And I she was, like I said, just a, a complete genius to me. And I still really see her as very, very intelligent, a very intelligent woman. So I think she is very proud of me. I think she would say that if she were here right now. And have you gotten any tips and tricks that you use in the classroom from her? When I first started, I I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that she um, gave me tips and tricks, things I can try with my students as far as um, discipline or just, you know, keeping order within the classroom or how to mark certain essays because, you know, it's quite difficult. But even like once in a while now, if I go to her with a question, she will assist me. So I'll say, yeah. And what is your teaching style now that you've been doing this for about five years? Um, wow, my teaching style. My teaching style, I would say, hmm. So I'm still obviously a young teacher, which yeah. means my students, they come in the class, especially I'm a young teacher. I'm also on TikTok. So my students know me before they even come to my class. Oh, wow. So I think with that, I have a little bit of more added pressure to run my class in a certain way. Because they've already seen my TikTok videos, they think they know me. They think we're friends, really and truly. So I think my teaching style is relaxed. I don't give my students much pressure at all. I don't expect much from them besides, you know, respect, honesty, and obviously good work. But I think I'm pretty relaxed with my teaching style. I don't, I think they would say that I don't practice. Some of them may say I just give a lot of work. And I do give a lot. Work, you know because at the end of the day you came here to learn and I'm going to make sure that you do that but other than that as long as my work is done and I'm also very compassionate as well so if I give a deadline I am strict with deadlines but not to the point where if you had an extenuating circumstance I wouldn't say okay I'll give you you know extra time to do it you can come to me break time lunch time whenever I am pretty lenient when it comes to that so I find that being more relaxed not you know to the point where they're running over you, but just having an understanding with your students, especially as a young teacher and building relationships with them is the most important because you don't want to come off as being mean and then they kind of, you know, put up a wall against you and now you can't reach them. They don't want to learn. They don't want to come to class. So I try to take a different approach and so far it's worked pretty well. Wow. Now that you mentioned that, I remember one time in high school, I can never, I feel scarred by this day. I was doing homework during lunchtime and it was for language arts and my teacher saw me and she took my book and gave me, she just marked what I had. And I think I just had the introduction paragraph. I was so upset and annoyed. I was like. So the homework was for her class that day? Yeah, she was my last period, but I was doing it during lunchtime. What? And she took the book and marked what you had? Yep. You Why? Gonna... I'm... <laughs> I don't understand. At least he wasn't doing it in her class. He was doing it before class. Yes, and I was doing it outside my homeroom because my homeroom door was locked. I can remember this day so clearly. That sounds like a very traumatic situation. And I think like situations like that cause students to 
either be turned off from the subject altogether or be turned off from the teacher altogether. Because I, I think that's a little bit unnecessary. I don't know. That's just my opinion. <laughs> I thought so too, but I wasn't, I'm not a teacher, so I can't say right. what my thoughts were. But in the same line of that, you said you, you're compassionate with your students. Teachers normally have to be more than just a teacher. You have to be therapists, caregivers, a listening ear, maybe a pastor. How do you deal with that dynamic? Dynamic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to say about shoot, 40% of my job is actually teaching and the rest is actually being a counselor, being a parent, being a pastor, like you said, being a therapist, psychologist, all of these different things. I I understand that a lot of my students are going through a lot. That's number one. And I always try to be a listening ear to them. I've always thought of myself to be a good listener. And I think they would say the same. I think it gets overwhelming, though, because while I'm trying to teach you, I'm also aware at the back of my mind of what you're going through at home. And so it makes my job just that much harder because now not only am I trying to teach you language arts, I'm also trying to teach you life skills. I'm trying to teach you how to stay alive. Literally. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to teach you how to survive. I'm trying to teach you how to stay patient in your home. I'm trying to teach you how to get closer to God because he's the only one who can help you through the situation you're going through right now. So my job it's really never done. Even after the three o'clock hour, a lot of my students have my cell phone number. And if they're going through something on the weekends at home, they're calling me, they're messaging me, Miss Rule, what should I do? I don't know what's going on right now. So like, it's so much, especially being a young teacher who doesn't have any kids as yet. It's like, okay, I gone from not having any kids to having over a hundred and something kids. It's yeah. a lot. It's And I can't even begin to express in words how overwhelming it is. It is rewarding, though, having students come to you and confiding in you and feeling that they, they rather talk to you than talk to somebody else. It's rewarding. But sometimes I think it's also best to kind of shut off, even if it's just for five minutes and say, OK, I'm going to talk to you. Give me five minutes and then I'm going to sit down. I'm going to listen to your entire story, because if you don't do that, you'll find yourself just almost going through the day like a robot like mm -hmm. you become so engulfed with like your brain almost feels like it's full and it's going to explode I don't even know if I'm explaining this right but your brain feel like it's about to jump out of your head because there's so many things in there language arts is in there as long uh, along with everybody else's personal life stories and business so that's why on the weekends I try to unwind and I don't bring any work home because my brain is whew, done by the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to get burned out either. That's what I'm saying. And it's, it, this is a job that is it's so easy to get burned out. Teachers are leaving before they even reach the five-year mark. And it's not just because the pay isn't good. It's because the job is mentally exhausting. And piggybacking off of that, you said teaching is only 40%. So how did you prepare for the other 60% that UB didn't teach you? Unless they did. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Um, how do I prepare for the other 40%? I think one of the, the things I do to prepare is, like I said, I don't bring... When I say teaching is only 40%, I mean every, the other, I guess, what? 60. How much percent? 60? 60, 60% 60 is 
everything else. So not even just like the marking and the grading. It's the sitting down and talking to kids all day. It's the helping out around campus. It's the substituting for other people's classes. It's all of those other things. And it's so many things I think you can't prepare for. Because if I know that I only have a certain amount of classes per day, and then I now have to substitute for someone else's class, I did not prepare for that. So like, I don't even know what to do in that situation. But I think the other things where it comes to having students sit down and talk with them, I think one way I prepare myself for that is every single morning, the first thing I do when I get up is I pray. I know that God has put me in this position for a specific reason. So I like to put myself in a headspace where I'm able to receive all of the horrendous sometimes information that I'm getting from my students. So the first thing I do is I pray. I listen to gospel music all day. Anytime I have time to listen to music, I'm listening to gospel music because that's what keeps me sane. That's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me grounded. So I think that's how I prepare for that other 60% that is not my actual job. Impressive. I agree. I be praying all the time because the only way I get through this is God. Mm-hmm. But to wrap this up, what advice or insights would you have for aspiring teachers? I think one of the main things that I don't think I was really told when I was going into the profession is, yes, the job is hard, but I feel like people underestimate how hard it actually is. So one piece of advice I would say is to always take time for yourself. Set boundaries, whatever those boundaries may look like. For me, it's not taking work home on the weekends or after school. It's also not responding to anything work-related on my weekends because my weekends are for me. Now, for you, that may look like something different, but whatever it is and whatever brings you peace and comfort, that's not your job. I would say definitely take time into doing that because I feel like because teaching is such a demanding job, people allow it to take over their entire lives. And especially as young teachers, I think that we shouldn't do that because we have to not let a job control our lives. We have to realize that there is life outside of this job. And at the, end of the day, at the end of the day, there's only so much that you can do for these kids. As much as we love them and we adore them, there's only so much you can do. And you can't pour from an empty cup. So if you don't refill your cup, you can't pour into anybody else's. So I think that's the biggest piece of advice that I would give anyone aspiring to be a teacher. That was a good, that was good. I might have to take that and implement it. <laughs> But I thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experiences. And I wish you good luck. And I want to just say, Ms. Clem has a Amazon classroom link. Everyone should go and buy something for her classroom. Oh, that would be so nice. Teaching is so expensive. My gosh. I can imagine. <laughs> but thank you so much for having me. I was so honored when you asked me. I always wanted to be on a podcast. So, I mean, I guess I could check this off on my list of things that oh. I wanted to do. So, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I, I hope that I was, you know, able to give you, share a lot of insight with you and your audience. So, thank you. No, thank you. The pleasure <laughs> is all yours. Awesome.